The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. good y'all welcome to in the deep a deep league focused fantasy baseball podcast <laughs> part of the pitcherless podcast network my name is jordan White, and i'm joined here once again by my good friend and co-host christopher schwebzy weber schwebzy how are we doing this week we're having to laugh at the top of the episode because i started it after schwebzy and i were making jokes at each other it was just a very awkward start to the show so <laughs> hi friends well, we're gonna we're gonna leave that in because that that is oh, that is that is us that is natural Heck it, we're going to do it live. We're going to do it live, dang it. I mean, it's getting towards the end of the season. Things are getting pretty loose. It's Labor Day weekend. We're trying to be relaxed, right? I mean, I'm assuming no one speaking, listens anymore, but... Well, hey, easy now. We know that that's not true at all. We got multiple like people that sent us messages this past week. And also, like someone who sent us a gift, which was super duper nice. Yeah, Shout out I, to Joe Lowry, aka J-Hook, who hangs out in the Twitch chat with us like pretty much every single Sunday night. You are the absolute raddest for sending what you did. Uh, Schwebzy, what did he send us? Yeah, so Joe's a writer over at uh, Prospects Live, mm-hmm. and he uh, he was both a prospect encyclopedia and a uh, baseball card guru. Yes. Uh, really, just just a very generous person. I've, I've never seen this man answer a question asked of him with anything less than a paragraph, and I'm still kind of like riding a like generosity high from the, uh, the, the baseball cards that he sent us, one of which is in the deep favorite an autographed card of chris flexen the man who stole my wife if you if you've been following our inside jokes for a year if you've been with us for that long kudos honestly and also you you were the only ones that will understand that joke but yeah that along with uh other call out like what was there was i mean like i got he gave me a lamont wade bowman chrome first uh autograph card which is absolutely absurd. Love Lamont Wade Jr. He also gave me a Tanner Houck jersey card. Just like a ton of really, like, really, really thoughtful and dope things. A bunch of Brewers cards. Just like can't thank Joe enough. So thank you so much, dude, for hanging out with us and also being such a great supporter of the pod. We appreciate it. Yes. I like there, there are very few things that we can bank on from week to week with this show. Uh, including it's it's recording <laughs> but uh one one thing that we can actually count on every week is is joe hanging out and uh you know keeping us company and asking questions and just generally being a pleasant contributor to the stream absolutely so yeah i mean if you want to join us for our sunday night streams like i said we're over on twitch you can find us at schwebzy's channel that's twitch.tv backslash schwebzy uh, I guess while we're saying all this too, we could probably say all the rest of the social media stuff at the top. If you want to follow us on Twitter, we have a shared podcast account that's in the deep PL. We will also tweet from there when we're going live for our streams on Sunday nights. Uh, and then if you want to follow Schwebzy and I individually, you can find Schwebzy at Schwebzy, his namesake. That is S-H-W-E-B-S-I. And then you can find myself at Bunt Singles. Uh, we also, although it hasn't had a lot of traffic lately, and we kind of, I mean, I kind of hope that we get more for the off season. Hopefully, I hope so. but we do have a mailbag that you can submit questions to. That's going to be at our email in the deep PL at gmail.com. So shoot us some questions over there, especially for the off season. Like we would love to hear from you. Uh, Dude, yeah. I try, I, I have requested hate mail on many an occasion and I've received zero. 
from what I'm from what I'm gathering from this is that we are immaculate. That's probably true, but like I, I've seen immaculate people get hate mail, so I, I'm not, true. We're extra immaculate, extra immaculate, the most immaculate. All right, um, God, what else, I mean, what else have you been? What how is how's your weekend bench, Webzy? Let's just start with that too. Oh, I saw Shang Chi. Ooh, yes. I saw uh, we, I'm going to go yeah, see it this week. We're, we're big Marvel dorks here on in yes, the week. Yes, we are. And uh, what, what a movie, man. I, I'm, I'm just it's mostly like, excited for the fight choreography, most of all. It's it's very dope. The, some, like, the action scenes from like the first half of the movie are some of the best that Marvel has ever done. Oh, dang. Okay. Well, like, I'm done that. I, I'd say like the only things that really like come close to it are maybe like the daredevil fights from uh, the tv show i was literally going to ask you if you like the daredevil fights or these fights more so like this is different in that it's it's more of a big budget and it's it's yeah more kung fu flick and less visceral than the uh, daredevil stuff so it's a different flavor but you know the the fights are both immaculate love it all right yeah i'm excited to see it this week uh i got to see adrian hauser's shutout yesterday which we're recording this on sunday night just so we're clear so I went to the game on Saturday. That was amazing. First one since 2014 for the Brewers. Uh, I'll talk about that a little bit more later since I'll be talking about Adrian Hauser a little bit. But uh, that was really, really cool. I'm excited I get to do that uh, pretty frequently for the rest of the season because I have a buddy who's got a ton of tickets for the rest of the season in the playoffs. So I'm going to get to see some playoff baseball. Uh, Schwebsey, unfortunately, the Mets... Not well, maybe maybe they'll be playoff bound. You never three know. Po- three point five games out, and That's we got a bad. few more games against the Nationals and Marlins. It's true. That is true. I wish you the best. I do also want you to be able to join the Brewers hype train for the for the playoffs too. You, like you know what would be but... you know what would be really fun for us is if the like we wound up like having a Mets versus Brewers playoff series. Oh God imagine can you imagine the episode we would have well i would i wouldn't be able to speak to you because i'd be so mad because the brewers would probably put the mets in the ground yeah 100 percent. without without a question there's no chance there's no chance the mets lineup can touch like woodruff peralta burns not all three of them at least not not in a row that is that is uh the best like top three of a rotation that i would probably see in my entire lifetime will be these three and we have control of all of them for a few years which is very exciting so that's really really great yeah, uh, we, we were talking to nick pollock before the well during the stream and uh i, I yes. mentioned that my my burns is my pick for the cy young in spite of the uh you know l- low innings total yeah he's just been so dominant in those innings that he's pitched that was kind of your argument right yeah yeah, yeah it's like sure. a 1.5 fifth it's it's stupid it's, it's actually stupid it's foolish he's been so video fun game to watch numbers. all year so fun to watch all year Ugh. I'm spoiled. I really am. I got to realize that. Must uh, be nice. All right. To cleanse the palate of all of these very, very good players, we're going to talk about some lesser roster players. Not bad players. <laughs> what we're going to talk about the people that, I mean, I'm, ta- I'm starting off by talking about someone who literally isn't rostered anywhere. Zero percent, according to fan- uh, Fantasy Bros. So the person that I want to talk about to kick off the hitters is Anthony Alford from the Pirates. Uh so Alfred has appeared in most of the games uh, since August 24th for the Pirates, and he's actually been like really, really productive. He's got four home runs, five runs, seven RBIs, and three stolen bases. So a nice power-speed combo. You really don't get those kind of counting stats from someone who is literally universally unrostered in most leagues. That's like pretty crazy to think about. Um, though he has mostly been hitting out of the seven or eight spots since he became like a regular in the lineup, he did. He So he didn't play on on Sunday. He did play on Saturday. He was hitting out of the five spot on Saturday right behind Colin Moran, which is maybe a sign, at least for me, that he's earned a bit more confidence from manager Derek Shelton moving forward, perhaps. It'd be really, really nice. Uh, even though it's like the fifth worst ranked offense in terms of ex-WOBA since the trade deadline, that's still like a super premier lineup spot that should provide him some ample opportunity to accrue like a modest amount of counting stats, especially the RBIs, if he can hold that fifth spot for the rest of the season. And like considering that the people currently listed in front of him in the lineup on roster resource are Jacob Stallings, Kevin Newman, and Cole Tucker, 
I would say that he's probably got a pretty good shot of holding that spot in the lineup. Um, something that is worth looking at is that they do have a six game week this week. Their opponents are the Tigers and the, um, oh God, and the Nationals. Sorry. Uh, pretty much every single pitcher that he lines up to face this week. So it's going to be Tarek Skubal, Willie Peralta, and Matt Manning for the Tigers, and then Josiah Gray, Patrick Corbin, and Paulo Espino. All of them have an ex-woba against them, well over league average, except for Josiah Gray. And he's only had like a handful of starts really so far this year. So he's kind of got a smaller sample size to work with. Uh, those are a ton of favorable matchups. Uh, so I'm pretty excited to see what he can do this week and to see if he can continue performing. So he just, just on paper, it looks like he's in a position to have some success. Uh, I will say that the K rate is super inflated. It's like 35% plus and the walk rate is like sub 4%. It's very, very low. Um, but I mean, at this point in the season, if you're looking for any production from any position, right? Like there's going to be players with warts. And if it's a guy that's striking out a bunch, but still hitting like 270 plus, you're going to take it. Um, yeah. I mean, it's 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 like Bradley Zimmer-esque almost. He's it got really the is. he's got the loud tools. He's got the role. He can chip yep. in some homers and steals. Exactly. Uh, and like, yeah, like the, you, he does have his warts again. That strikeout rate is very very high. One last note that actually is a really nice positive: the sample size. Yes, it is pretty tiny. He's only got like he's only seen like 120 pitches or something like that. But both his ex-woba and his expected batting average are like 20 points higher than his actual outputs that he's had so far. So it's possible that he's even been like a tad unlucky over the past few weeks. So that's slightly encouraging too. So like, again, someone that uh, outfield eligible is literally just universally rostered in 0% of ESPN and Yahoo leagues. It seems like a pretty easy ad for me. And I actually picked him up in TGFBI this week. So like 15 team leagues for sure, like 12 teamers, he's probably not going to play obviously, but in a 15-teamer, he's 100% for me a pickup. Just to at least run him out there for a week to see what he does. Yeah, I dig it. I mean, I, I'm a sucker for this kind of player. I have absolutely owned Alfred on several teams over the course of the last couple of years because he's yeah. got those incredibly loud tools. So anytime he gets regular playing time, it you know it, it's worth noting. And if you're desperate in a deep enough league, it's worth rostering. For sure. So yeah, like NL onlys and then like 15-teamers. Is kind of where I'm at with that. But yeah, and then I guess we're going to very slowly work our way up the ladder here as we go to a certain extent. But like you have someone here that is 1% rostered in ESPN and Yahoo leagues, and that is Lane Thomas. Let's talk about Lane Thomas a little bit. This is like this is like the, the shortest distance between rungs on a ladder in the history of the world. Yeah, yeah. It's like yeah, this, this, this rung is like an inch above the previous rung. But uh, Lane Thomas... I, let me start by saying that I hate this because why do you, why do you hate this? Because I've been watching. Well, I when I, I I use the term watching uh, liberally because I haven't actually watched the Mets game in several weeks because uh, I'm embarrassed. But uh, I, I've been following Lane Thomas act at, like just absolutely annihilating the Mets for the past few days. Yeah, and the Nationals acquired Lane Thomas for the ghost of John Lester, and. <laughs> Since then, he's just been making waste of of the the my, my team. So, uh, and this continues the proud tradition of nondescript baseball players just weirdly owning the Mets. <laughs> I'm also really excited for John Lester to dominate the Mets when they play the Cardinals later this month because that is going to happen. Oh um, God! Yeah. Fun fun fact. Speaking of nondescript players owning the Mets, the three highest OPSs against the Mets this year belong to. Jacob Stallings, Rodolfo Castro, and Wilmer Defoe. <laughs> I'm, uh, not, I'm not crying. You're crying. The the, the cream of the crop rises yeah, to just the top the true, in this case. Truly elite players. Um, what were we talking about? Oh, oh we, Lane, Lane Thomas. Thomas. Lane yeah. Thomas. Right, right, right. All right. Since, <laughs> since joining the Nationals, he's put up a 935 OPS, which is good. Uh yeah. And that has been at mostly while occupying the leadoff spot. And if you're a regular listener, you probably know where I'm about to go with this. When you're talking about deep leagues, roll is half the battle. G.I. Joe. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> roll is half the battle. 
Uh, he's been hitting out of the leadoff spot for nine straight games while producing a 148 WRC plus. And it, I, there's no real reason for the Nats to remove him from that role while he keeps producing out of it. Uh, I, I assume after watching Victor Robles flounder there for a while, they're happy to see some production out of the leadoff spot. Mm-hmm. And he's even added a few home runs lately with three dingers in the last five games. Although we should dock him some credit for those because uh, that's likely due to some reverse Mets curse that is just really prevalent throughout the game of baseball. Um, I, I dig the walk rate, uh, but I do think this is a case of a batter being almost too passive because it leads to him not swinging at some very hittable pitches. And my question is, is he watching these pitches go because he can't do anything with them? Like, is he just specifically hunting pitches that he can hit? Like, Lane Thomas literally has a zero Woba on fastballs down the middle. Oh, wow. Just like, like from top to bottom? No, like, 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 like I'm saying from the top to bottom, like in the middle, top to bottom of the zone. No, just like the, the actual middle zone. Oh, like belt high. Yeah. So like, he, oh, he's, I, I was he's thinking, done, I was yeah. thinking wrong axis, Y axis instead of X axis. My bad. D- down the pipe, uh, yes, which is not you, the term. I, I usually like to use a non in the deep friendly term to describe those pitches. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, he, he does some damage on middle up. But okay. like it's a literal zero Woba on four seamers, like down the middle and like middle away. It's it's so weird looking at his chart of like what pitches he does damage on. So I I'm it's interesting. I like I think this is like a work in progress. I I like th- this is not like I, I, you're not, I'm not able to do complete analysis on him yet. I I think we just need to see more. But he's got the right role to produce, and I'd be happy to add him at this point on any like 15 teamer or deeper that was in need of runs because he's like. <laughs> hitting leadoff in front of Juan Soto is one of the better places you can be if you need to accumulate some runs. At the very least, you're going to end up on second base because he's going to at least walk behind you too if you get on, if you get on first. So yeah. Juan Soto just uh, uh, like reached the, uh, I'm I'm floundering for the right uh, way to put this, but he, he now has more walks than strikeouts for his career. Yes. Which is unreal in this day and age. Legendary man. Ugh. I, there's so there's i mean you can count on probably like one hand the number of players that are going to be able to do that yeah like it, it's it's pujols esque yeah it's so oh, it's so good yeah he's he's been a joy to watch but uh lane thomas i will say also used to be in the nl central because he was playing on the cardinals obviously wasn't getting a ton of playing time because he was behind a ton of like folks that probably should be playing in front of him anyways but I mean, I was like, I'm not going to see any more of him, am I? And then he had a really good series against the Brewers when he was with the Nationals right away, too. So I also felt a little bit of the pain of uh, Lane, Th- the, the, the Lane pain, if you will. Ah, uh, yeah. But oh, uh, so uh, opposite of a fun fact, uh, Pujols, Pujols has just finally struck out more than he's walked for his career. Like he, he's going in the Aww. opposite direction of Soto and he has That's just sad. gone in the wrong direction. With, with that benchmark that doesn't fun. matter he's a hall of famer yeah that's true all right well yeah lane thomas i like that one though honestly uh again hitters, yeah uh one percent rostered leadoff hitter is very very uh a very good target at this point in the season so definitely go after lane thomas uh he's an outfielder right i'll feel yes okay that's what i thought all right so we, we've got a fun thing this week where like we looked at the list of who was sub 20 percent and who's been performing well and has a yeah. you know interesting upcoming schedules. And we looked at this list and we were like, good God, this is bad. It's getting very thin. So out there. yeah, like the, the both of us are going to be mentioning players that we, we don't actually like that much. And it's yeah. more about opportunity than skills. It's either opportunity or it's filling a need on your team, which is like the yes. next person I'm going to talk about basically. Because like the person that I'm going to talk about next, I am not very excited about at all. And it feels kind of bad to recommend, but this is mostly just for like, especially so just like to preface this, it's going to be basically only for leagues where you're doing like season long Roto. So if this is like a weekly head to head matchup thing, I wouldn't do this because it feels like he's just going to tank you in so many categories. But if you're in a season long Roto league and you need stolen bases, which it seems like I've tried to come up with someone every single week that you can pick up for stolen bases. I think that Leody Tavares is probably going to be one of the best ones. So uh, 14% roster between ESPN and Yahoo. Again, this is going to be super duper short because it feels bad to recommend. 
but you really need to not care about your batting average for the rest of the year if you're going to roster and start Leody Tavares. It's not great. He's like sub 200 batting average over the past couple of weeks, but he is starting every single day in center field for Texas. And he's got five stolen bases in the past 15 days, along with two home runs. So he's at least throwing some power in there too, to a certain extent, but that's literally where all the good stuff ends. Um, Yeah. It's just not really a fun one to talk about, honestly. And the biggest like pain point for me with Leo Tavares is the fact that we just talked about Anthony Alford, who's got like a pretty good opportunity and is putting up just generally better stats, 0% rostered. Lane Thomas also hitting leadoff for a team that has Juan Soto right behind him, 1% rostered. Leody Tavares with like a sub 200 batting average, but very clearly there's a lot of people out there that really value steals and really need those steals. He is 14% rostered, which is pretty wild to me. That is like super duper high, like way too high for me. Yeah, like from from a five category Roto perspective, I would rather roster Alfred, I think. Right now, yes, absolutely. I, mean, I, I don't think I'd rather have either of them if I had my choice, but yeah. Well, of course, yeah, but like if the league is deep enough, you're going to be rostering guys like this regardless. Right. But it's just right. like at this point in the season, I'm 100% going to choose Alfred over Tavares. Same thing with like Lane Thomas. I would much rather have Lane Thomas over Tavares, but if you really need stolen bases that badly, he's probably going to be the best option available on the waiver wire. So that's why I'm uh, recommending Tavares very, very hesitantly this week. So if you need those stolen bases, he's your man. Yeah, I don't like it, but I agree with it. Yeah. All right. And then we got Brian De La Cruz next. We t- I, th- I think we covered Brian De La Cruz. I feel like I remember you saying something about the Marlins outfield right after the trade deadline. Um, and now here we are. And you're talking about a Marlins outfielder. I I, I think that... <laughs> I'm so sorry. This is so rude. I I talked I I talked heck about the. Uh, <laughs> That's a good way to put it. I said mean things about the 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 Marlins outfield yes, not long did. ago. Uh, this was right after the trade deadline, and I said that the Marlins outfield might be one of the worst ever put together in the major yes. leagues. And uh, then they were really, really, really good for like a couple weeks. As yeah, like two weeks, like. I, w- I would like you all to know how powerful I am and how powerful my my curse is because I even made Lewis Brinson good for a couple of weeks. This is true. Who else can do that? Who else can do that? But anyway, uh, <laughs> I don't I don't oh, love I don't love uh, Brian De La Cruz in like a keeper sense. Like you might think, Oh, well, he's a 24 year old getting his first real playing time and he's succeeding. Like maybe this is a long-term kind of player. Uh, I don't love him like that really. Um, but we really only need to care about his production for another four weeks in most leagues. And this is almost like, this is similar to your Anthony Alford suggestion in that like this is almost like streaming an outfielder for me because yeah his next two weeks he gets to face some truly abysmal pitching staffs like he's going to be seeing washington he's going to be seeing pittsburgh and you know you, you may have heard those pitching staffs are not very good mm-hmm, and he gets n- yeah he gets nine games of those teams over the next two weeks and he's playing nearly every day uh, and there's no reason for him to not continue playing nearly every day because again the Mar- the Marlins are kind of in a rough spot where and they're they're in evaluation mode they need to see what they have. Uh, De La Cruz is a product of the Houston farm system, which I generally regard as a good thing. Uh, he was never really a prospect of note, but did put up some decent numbers in his first taste of Triple A this year after COVID ruined the 2020 season. So we get the fun task now of trying to figure out if what we're seeing is real or just a BABIP-driven flash in the pan. And the BABIP is really high, which is relevant. And his X stats wildly outstrip his actual production. So I, I want to lean in the, in the direction of this being a fluke, but that also might not matter because again, he gets to face some pretty rough pitching staffs and you know, he has the role. So the, the plate discipline, it, it's like close enough to league average that I kind of think that he'll just be fine. Yeah. 
like and that's like i i mean fine as in like he'll be okay you know he he's not going to be a world beater um but i think he can be a viable outfielder in like an nl only league for at, at least during that time frame that i mentioned i like i i feel like he he feels like a like a slightly less good harold ramirez like he doesn't have the same tools as harold ramirez but i yeah. think he can he can do that kind of samey counting stat production uh and you know there i I've, I've talked about him several times this year i like harold ramirez uh i you know i've had to drop him because he's hit a valley but when he's going good he's absolutely worth rostering and i think taylor cruz can be uh, kind of in the same vein love it yeah i mean i very briefly just recently rostered uh jorge alfaro uh, in TGFBI and played and him in my second outfielder. catcher spot. Outfielder, Jorge Alfaro. Uh, but I put him in my second catcher spot because he's catcher eligible, obviously. Um, so I think like definitely in like the 15 team leagues that, and like the NL only leagues, there is some value in that Marlins outfield still to a certain extent. Like, is it going to, like you said, none, none of these guys, I don't think in general, are going to be world beaters by any means. And they're not going to just go off and perform super duper well for the next four weeks. But they're, they're going to provide like steady production, I think. And De La Cruz, I think, is probably my favorite out of all of them right now. Like, I want him over, like, Megan Uris, Sierra, or, like, any of the other folks in that outfield right now, probably. Yeah, I don't think Sierra is any good at baseball, which <sighs> means he's going to be awesome over the next two weeks. That Yeah, that's your cue, since I have just cursed him in uh, a reverse curse. Uh, he's going to be awesome for the next couple of weeks. Yeah. Go, go grab back Nerius <laughs> Sierra, guys. Just don't, real quick. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't, please don't do that. Real quick, I just got to ask, uh, can you hear my landlord yelling upstairs? <laughs> I, I cannot. Okay, good. But is, is he is he mad? Is he a Magnarius Sierra fan? Clearly. He's very upset at you. He's asking, he's yelling, uh, what's his address? And I think he means you. <laughs> I think he's going to come to your, I think he's going to, I think he's going to, uh, I think he's going to airdrop you the, uh, the GPS to the lo- nearest Denny's. <laughs> And meet you there with a shirt off in the parking lot. Um, I feel like that's more that's more of a Waffle House thing. Well, I don't, do do people fight in Denny's in the Midwest? I don't know. Uh, there's punk shows at Denny's. That's pretty dope. That's a real thing. Um, did you ever see that? Never mind. Okay, this is this is a story for another time. Anyways, uh, moving on. I'm actually wow. Oh. I'm talking about never in a billion years. Like just considering even the subject matter of our podcast, I suspect that I would talk about two separate Pittsburgh pirates hitters on the same episode, but this is the world that we live in. Uh, Dude, gonna... I talked about Yoshi Satsugo last week. We are kind of on a pirates run. That's true. Are we a pirates podcast now? We need Ooh, to talk about more have, giants. We have, we have barely talked about any giants lately. That's true. Yeah. We've transitioned oh to a pirates podcast. It's because everyone got on them there. They cleared that 20% threshold. That's why. Oh, maybe people are listening to us. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, yeah. But no, I'm going to talk about uh, Colin Moran, someone that I actually mentioned while I was talking about Anthony Alford. Um, But like I said, Pickens are pretty slim right now, which is why I'm recommending him here. He's like two-thirds of the archetypal in the deep hitting candidate, right? He's got consistent playing time, and he has a really stellar spot in the lineup hitting fourth literally every single day that he's in there. But he's surrounded by a really inept offense with the Pirates. Um like that literally we keep every, recommending yeah <laughs> well th- that's the thing is like there's certain bats in that lineup that are going to be very very good i think over the next few weeks but it's like when you don't have you when you have like an inept six through eight spot in the lineup no, i know i know it's so bad even like the one <laughs> and two hitters in that lineup aren't that great but when you have like brian reynolds moran and alfred i think that three four five is a good like heart of the lineup at least or a serviceable one against less than stellar pitching too gosh i just hope brian hayes figures it out man that's the one yeah. thing i want out of that lineup yeah that's true I, I love him as a player i hope he i hope he gets back to where he was last year same but yes moran hope. yes moran so um like i said with alfred the matchups for next week are like just crispy delicious goodness and i think that even a relatively inept Pirates offense should be able to accrue some value in that six-game stretch. So he did just actually end a nine-game hit streak with an 0-3 for performance today, being Sunday. Uh, though he did walk twice in that time. So like on-base percentage, really not that bad either. And in the past 15 days, he's got an even 300 average. So he's hitting for average. He's got a couple home runs in that time too, some decent counting stats. So he's getting there. Um it's just that the rest of the offense has to kind of step up a little bit too. And I think that with both Alfred behind him and Reynolds in front of him, that could happen. Um, 
I think he's a slightly less appealing option than Alfred right now, just because I like Alfred's speed a little bit more, just like added value in that regard. But I think he's definitely worth rostering in 15 teamers and even some 12 teamers if you have a corner and field spot that you can fill. Because again, really, really poor pitching that they're going to be matching up against in the next week or so. Yeah, like this is far from the first time that Moran has wound up being fantasy viable. He's shown yeah. the propensity to be streaky before. And, uh, you know, mm-hmm. if, the, if this is the start of one of his streaks, then getting in now it was, is going to be a great way to reap those benefits. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm excited. And then also just like an added little bonus for those of you that are in Yahoo leagues. He's mostly in, in almost every single other league. He's only first base eligible, but he's first, second and third base eligible on, on Yahoo. So that's a nice little added bonus there. So you can play him at a middle infield spot as well if you have one of those in your league. Thanks for being incredibly scuffed, Yahoo. Thank you so much, Yahoo. Uh, all right, let's move on to our last hitter then. We've got... We're going We're going up to the, to the Great White North to uh, Toronto to talk about one of their three catchers that they have on the roster right now. Uh, Alejandro Kirk, take it away, Schwebs. We're going to the Great White North, Dunedin, Florida. No, not, not anymore. <laughs> um, so yeah, Alejandro Kirk is uh, kind of uh, like, if he got full-time playing time, he might wind up being the like unofficial you know, sponsor of In the Deep because he fits oh, what we love to a T. Yes. He is a he is a large stout boy. Hits the ball real far. Big big fan big fan of the archetype. Yes. Uh, he's he's like a. Speaking of you, which, Daniel Volgobach walk off grand slam today. Thank you very much. You know those uh, you know you know those like uh, YouTube shows like what can can you crush it? Like what will happen if you put this in in a will in will a, it blend? No 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 like the the oh the hydraulic press presses, channels the hydraulic press that's it I can't yeah. think of word hydraulic because I'm I'm are smart. you thinking about like what like putting Alejandro Kirk into one of those? Right no, now? I'm thinking like this is like what if you put Sam Huff into a hydraulic press for a little bit. <laughs> you, you, you would you'd wind up with Alejandro Kirk, but um, no, they're they're pretty different players. Alejandro Kirk uh, is very different uh, because he doesn't strike out much, mm-hmm. and he walks a good bit, which uh, is a bit different than Sam Huff's swing at everything and uh, you know make loud contact sometimes. True. Uh, so this definitely is not the first time we've spoken about Alejandro Kirk here. He's a really fun player with a tantalizing skill set. All he's done in his first three hundred or so plate appearances so far in the majors is put up a 366 ex Woba as a catcher before mm. he's turned 23 chef that's, kiss that's pretty good you know Papa uh, like yeah this year he's seen significant gains on his barrel rate his ex Woba, his k percentage and his walk percentage all of which is stuff that i love and suggests that there's more to come i expect that he's going to see some increased attention today and see his ownership uh, roster ship numbers increase after he went three for four with a double home run, two runs, and three RBIs, bringing his season woba to 351, which would put him at seventh among all catchers with at least 100 plate appearances. Again, he's not even 23 yet. He's that's really young, especially yeah. for a catcher. It's a position that tends to develop slowly. Now, the possible hang-up here, which we have to acknowledge, is that the Blue Jays like to do this thing where they play like three different catchers and also rotate a bunch of players through their DH spot. Mm -hmm. But the saving grace here is that Kirk is a good enough bat that he sees time at DH in spite of being a catcher. As soon as George Springer is healthy enough to play the field regularly again, I expect to see Kirk getting some of his catcher off days in that DH spot, you know, a a la Salvador Perez, just, you know, not, not as regular. Uh, Danny Jansen just came off the injured list. And since Jansen has returned, Kirk has started three out of those five games. Now, again, Jansen's fresh off the IL, so maybe they're giving him a rest, but that's a good sign to start. Um, Alarming is that Jansen has hit a couple of dingers, which may get him more playing time. But again, Kirk has been awesome too. So, you know, this all muddies the waters. But (laughs) before this season... Alejandro's Kirk's Alejandro Kirk's projections were like absurd. absurd. Yeah, they were. Like they it, were. Yeah, some projection systems literally said he would be the best catcher in baseball offensively, which is crazy to think about. And like, I mean, yes, it has come true, yeah. right? But, but you know, and at the time he was a well, I, this was like eight months ago, so he was still twenty three, but a young twenty three. Uh, 
and had barely seen any time above a ball. So mm -hmm. the, the bat has the potential to be special here. He does a lot of the things that I, I like, which is make a lot of contact, draw a lot of walks in spite of that. I, I think that especially in keeper leagues, if he's somehow out there, um, I, I think a, per, a perspective ad of Kirk is a really savvy move. And I think in two catcher leagues, he's straight up a must add if he's still out there. He's currently at 4% in, in the Yahoo and ESPN leagues. So there's a good shot that he's out there, even uh, even if you do have a two-catcher league. Love it. Yeah, I mean, we were both earlier in the year like very, very big fans of Kirk. Obviously, it didn't pan out how we wanted it to early on. but And also, the projection systems, like you said before, to harken back to that, all of them projected him to have like a or a lot of them projected him to have just an absolutely monster year and even though that isn't the case you said that he's seen so many like significant gains in areas that we love to see like you said the x where the k rate's gone down the walk rate's gone up it's all trending in the right direction and he is again like you stated before super young so like i, I mean he's gonna he's gonna be great i feel like for years to come and he's going to be very highly touted again next year in draft season. So that's something to keep an eye on. Um, so which leagues did you say? Which leagues that you would want him in? I, I want him in every single two catcher league. Okay, yeah, that's and fair. If if I'm in a one catcher league that has a keeper element, I'm picking him up at least to stash on the bench. Uh, you know, obviously every single dynasty format he should be rostered. And um, if you know if you're if it's a shallower league, I'm just watching. Yeah, I think if, if he's getting you know three out of five starts out of the catcher spot, like he's probably a top twelve catcher, probably. Oh, for sure. Yeah, if he gets that many play, if he gets like, enough plate appearances, he he absolutely will be. In years so to we, come. yeah, like we talked last week about. Uh, I, I think I said that K. Bear Ruiz should be rostered in every league. You know, even if it's yeah. just as like you know the worst teams starting catcher or whatever. Um, I I think Kirk is at that same place where. I like, I don't see any reason why he couldn't be like a top, you know, like, like at the tail end of the top 10 for the rest of the year. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, he's not available in like literally any of my leagues that I play. Cause I, well, I like to think that I play with some pretty sharp people. Um, but I'm definitely going to, cause I feel like the stock after like the big hype up at the beginning of the season, was like very very high and then when he just like wasn't playing that much and like just uh, he just wasn't around until like this latter half of the year i'm still has I'm, gone I'm actually, down quite a bit i'm shocked at how low the number is four percent i'm surprised yeah, it's very very low uh so uh i'm going to try to target him in the off season as a trade piece preferably I expect us to talk about him in our preseason preview if his adp is low enough yeah 100 we i mean it would be foolish if we did not talk about him yeah, earmark that for for next season for the preseason episodes. Or even like, I mean, we're gonna be doing pretty soon in the offseason, we'll be doing probably a too early mock draft right away, I would assume. Oh my god, we've only got like three episodes left. It's crazy to oh think. Oh my about. god. Oh yeah, my god. Pretty wild. Um what am I gonna do with my Sundays? That's a good question. Play Smite with me, probably. Oh, I don't plan on talking to you for like the entirety of the off season. <laughs> Same, you jerk. Anyways, <laughs> let's go from one battery mate to the other kind of battery mate, which is the pitchers here. Uh, and we're going to lead it off with Schwebzy here again, talking about one Antonio Senzatella, which is someone that you were a little bit uh, hesitant, I feel like, to talk about. Yeah. So I, we, we mentioned earlier that uh, some some players serve specific purposes and yes, uh, we might not necessarily like them, but they might be worthwhile ads anyway. Sensatella kind of uh, isn't even that. And I'll explain. I just want everyone to know that I'm cringing like super hard as I wrote these notes. Uh, I don't like Sensatella as a fantasy pitcher. I, I think this is kind of like what Marco Gonzalez did last year where like it was an obscenely yeah. low walk rate. And like, that's not like a super sustainable thing. Like no one puts up obscenely low walk rates just year after year. It's, it's such a feel thing that it can ebb and flow over the course of a career. He's generally got pretty good control, but this is like wild what he's doing right now. But at the same time, it's been three months now, more than three months of a 3.51 ERA and a 3.01 FIP. So even if, like me, your gut reaction when you see Senzatella is to Senza tell him to get out of here. Oh, 
he's kind of just been rolling for half a season now. Uh, I mean, the reason for that low FIP, uh, you know, major ingredients of FIP are walk rate and home run rate. And he's like, those have been unreal this year. Like we can point to a couple of standout attributes as drivers of his success. He doesn't walk anybody and he doesn't give up any dingers. He's always been pretty good at both of those things, but this year has been another level. If he can continue to do those things, it's a really good place to start for limiting runs and particularly limiting big innings. He's historically been pretty good at limiting barrels. Um, like really almost every year of his career, he's been, uh, you know, like, you know, in, in the upper third of the league in limiting barrels. And that's also, you know, another nice skill to have. Soft contact, always good. Mm-hmm. The thing that worries me, is the same thing that he does well. Uh, like these things are so obnoxiously high compared to the rest of his career that I just don't believe that they are going to be sustainable. Like, yes, mm-hmm. his walk rates are fantastic, but we were looking at like where he throws his pitches and he throws so many pitches in the middle of the zone. I don't understand. Like, I, I don't yeah. understand. These heat maps are wild. Yeah. Like it defies convention in so, like in such a way that like, I don't actually like trust what I'm, seeing and and understanding like there has to be things that i'm missing that yeah. i'm just yeah you know, well, okay. i'm not smart enough to know why antonio sensatella is good um <laughs> but yeah uh on top of all of this like his upcoming matchups are at atlanta at philadelphia home against the dodgers and home against san francisco is, is how it looks like the schedule is lining up and uh if you remember where Antonio Sensatella pitches, home is the Colorado uh, Rockies Stadium. So Coors Field, that one, that stadium. <laughs> I could hear uh, you just struggling. I could, I could, I could literally hear the hamster wheel in your head squeaking as you tried to think of that. The poor, that poor overworked hamster. <laughs> At the end of the day, this is me making you all aware of the fact that Sensatella is in the middle of or maybe near the end of what is for him an absolutely phenomenal stretch at this point in the year, sometimes low risk innings are all you need. And if you are a braver man than I, uh, Sensatella might give you those innings. I will openly state here. I am not picking him up in any leagues ex- unless I'm truly desperate, but he's been really good. And I mean, yeah, maybe he can continue to string together these quality starts. Yeah, it's fully within the realm of possibility. I mean, like, oh, gosh. I I want to say that it might be a good idea to maybe try to stream him for the rest of the season. Because, again, he's looked very, very good. But at the same time, three out of the, his, la- his remaining four opponents that he's supposed to face this year. Or, like, sorry, uh, the next four opponents that he's supposed to face this year, uh, three of them rank in the top half of the league in ex Woba against right handed pitchers. So there is that too. Um, yeah, I don't know. It feels kind of like a fade to me potentially, but he's also been defying pretty much everything we know well, for the I, past I, three months. So I like to talk about a player, but then also uh, say bad things about that player so that if they do well, I can be like, well, I talked about that player. And then if they do badly, <laughs> I can say, well, like, well, I said bad things about that player. It's win-win like to, for me. You, you like to hedge the bets. Yes. Yeah, you, like to, yeah. you like to play both sides. This guy, <laughs> this guy. I play both sides. So I always come out ahead. I love the always sunny. <laughs> <laughs> the always sunny reference for those of you that get that for those that know they know um no uh gosh i really want to like sensatella i'm just i think i'm a little bit gun shy i don't know i i always think it's fun when a player like that succeeds but it's so rare for like how how many players are kyle hendrix it's very few well that's the thing too it's like i mean we can ex- at least explain why his walk rate is so low is because he's literally throwing everything like down the heart of the plate it feels like and he's throwing a slider for a ton of strikes he's he's throwing his fastball 55 percent of the time and mm-hmm. literally it just middle i don't i don't understand how it works uh his Truly fastball doesn't incredible. seem to be like an elite pitch i don't i i don't understand it yeah, yeah i don't get that one either honestly but uh, um 
why, why don't you tell me about someone with a good fastball, please? A good so fastball? I don't, so I, so I get to stop thinking about Antonio <laughs> Sensatella. You know, that was a heck of a segue, Schwebs. I like that okay. a lot. Okay, so uh, Bailey Ober, I'm going to talk about from Minnesota Twins. So Ober, I think, has, if things shake out just completely uninterrupted for the rest of the season, I think he has possibly my absolute favorite remaining schedule for the 2021 season. As long as they keep a five-man rotation in Minnesota and there's no like weirdness with like setting someone back, giving someone an extra day of rest, whatever. So he's lining up for six more starts this season. If that stands, he would face Cleveland, Kansas City, Cleveland, Chicago Cubs, Detroit, Kansas City again. So again, to say that again, that's Cleveland twice, Kansas City twice, Chicago, and Detroit, which I think you're going to be really hard-pressed to find a more favorable set of matchups than that. Every single one of those teams is ranked in the lower half of the league in Exwoba versus right-handed pitchers. So you've got like Kansas City's 23rd, Cleveland is 18th, Chicago Cubs are 25th, and Detroit is 22nd. Like Just like not good offenses against right-handed pitching since the trade deadline. Um, if you lump all that in with the fact that Bailey Ober has been doing a really, really good job at elevating his fastball and burying the slider, like kind of like Blake Snell blueprint type thing, you can see why he's seen like a relative amount of success in the recent weeks, including he had a five inning, seven strikeout performance against Boston. No earned runs, just very, very good, which was really, really surprising. Um, I think Nick Pollock in multiple now, uh, SP roundups after Ober starts has said that it reminds him of like a younger, like a same, like a similar blueprint to a younger Jake Odorizzi who's just like painting the top of the zone with that fastball and burying the slider really, really well. So, um, well, a, a nice thing about Ober, it's like the polar opposite of Senzatello, where like we can look at what Ober is doing and pinpoint, yes, this is why he's successful. And as long as he can continue to do this, he'll be fine. Yes, exactly. There, yeah, there's no there's no guesswork here. It's like if he locates that fastball at the top of the zone, he can you know the success can continue. He's a dude with the six nine frame, and if he can locate the fastball at the top of the zone, it's going to be solid. Yeah, I think Nick also used the pun Ober is he? <laughs> if I'm not mistaken, which I thought was very very good. So good job, Nick. This is one time that I'm actually going to give you credit for a pun you make. You better savor it. Um, <laughs> but. I think that overall, he's going to be a great streamer rest of season. Like this is someone that should be rostered. He, again, he's 15% rostered between ESPN and Yahoo leagues. And just like for a frame of reference, I pulled just a list of 12 names that are ro- rostered more than he is in ESPN and Yahoo leagues that I would rather throw onto the waiver wire to pick him up. So like Zach Thompson from the Marlins, J.A. Happ, uh, Tuki Toussaint, Kwang Young Kim, Patrick Corbin, Tarek Skubal, uh, Madison Bumgarner, Vladimir Gutierrez, Yusei Kikuchi, who's someone that Schwabzi and I were both pretty high on coming into the season. Um, Dallas Keuchel, who has just been really, really bad lately for the White Sox. Um, Andrew Heaney and James Caprillion. Uh, oh, just like all those, I think all those guys should be on the waiver wire instead of Bailey Ober for the rest of the season. I have, I have two questions, complaints. Yes. All right. Well, uh, so Kikuchi, uh, at one point in this, in this season, uh, I had like, marked down as like a season long success story for me but then like after the sticky stuff he kind of lost it it feels like but uh Tariq Skubal is the one name on that list that I uh strongly disagree with you would you would rather have Skubal for the rest of the year I'd I'd rather have Skubal I think the ceiling is significantly higher but do you know what the schedule is though I don't know what the schedule is off the top of my head see that's the thing I just don't think you're going to find a schedule that's better than Ober's that is, yeah, you know, I, I will o- openly admit that uh, that is a gap in uh, the way I, I, I look at pickups and whatnot. I don't pay too much attention to the schedule outside of like the immediate like one or two starts. Well, yeah, and that's the thing too, is like most of the time you are only getting someone for like a week, like one start, or maybe there's a two start week that you're just like going to roll the dice on, like that you're not really do you're not really thinking two, three weeks in advance, right? So it's not something that you're necessarily required to do, but I figure like if you're this at this point in the season and there's someone that just has like this good of a schedule the rest of the way, why not? Right. Yeah, no, I, I, I definitely love the over schedule. I, I, I will, I do. I've, I've traded quite a bit to get Scooble in a, in a league that's very important to me. So mm-hmm. I, I think I'm, I'm a bit of a Scooble stan. That's a keeper league too, correct? 
it is so that's relevant yeah. there too yeah that's that's a relevant piece of information too obviously like it's it's gonna depend on your league uh Oh, what is the word I'm trying? Composition. That's the word I'm looking for. Scoobles' next two starts are at Pittsburgh and then against Milwaukee. Milwaukee is scoring the most runs per game in the NL since the trade deadline. Are they really? They are. Take that, Schwebzy. Thanks, Rowdy Telez. It absolutely owned Schwebzy. By it's, the biggest, by the biggest Milwaukee like Homer on the face of the earth. Obviously, it's, it's, I would know that. I, I love the dichotomy of, of like Rowdy Telez on one side, and then small boys Willie Adamas and Luis Urias on the other side. Willie Adamas is that small. I mean, Luis. Isn't no, it? it's Louis. No, Luis Urias and Colton Wong are the short kings of that middle infield. Or I they thought Adamas were. was tiny too. No, Adamas is like six foot tall. I'm pretty sure six one. He's not short, short. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm 6'3". So. Yeah, I was to say, everyone's short compared to you. <laughs> By the way, can I send you my chiropractor bill for the like all the time I had to spend look, looking up at you when you visited Milwaukee? Is that all right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, I brought phone books with me when I traveled to Milwaukee so that we would be roughly the same level on camera. <laughs> you carried an Apple box with you for me to stand on. <laughs> I brought the only remaining phone book in existence for you uh... to sit on. That was a New York phone book because that was the only one thick enough for me to actually get up near your level. <laughs> uh, anyways, <laughs> tangents. This is great. All right. Phone um, books. Are the phone, definitely a thing that's still around showing my age. They absolutely do exist. I've seen one. Who that? It's, cra- it's crazy. I know. Um, but anyways, we're talking about Bailey Homer. <laughs> uh, the, only, the, only, the last thing I have to say about Ober is that I think that considering the people that are rostered at a higher percentage above him on that list, I think it's fully within reason for you to have Ober on your team in 12 team leagues at this point, just with how good that schedule is. And like his recent success, he's like looked really, really good and is uh, effectively uh, operated with his repertoire. Um, yeah. I'm trying to find him in as many leagues as I can to finish out the season. I, I th- you've convinced me. I am actually going to go look in several of my leagues hey, too. See, that's what makes me feel good is when I can convince my podcast co-host, who can be a bit of a curmudgeon when I talk about certain players, to actually join my side. Just never talk to me about Jake Arrieta again, please. I, I mean, that was literally for, that was literally for two starts at the beginning of the year. I was correct, and then I was like, "Don't do this for the rest of the season." <laughs> Bye. I have in my notes here that you uh, you are a huge fan of jake arietta don't don't t- i'm not a fan of jake arietta don't tell the newspapers i'm a fan of jake arietta <laughs> that's all that's all i'm going to say about that i'm on the record i do not like jake arietta that much big big move for uh, padres god uh all right do we want to do do we do, should i just take my next one again and then we can yeah, finish up yeah, with the closers on. sounds good good plan Cool. Okay. So I mentioned at the top of the episode that I went to the Brewers game on Saturday. Uh, I got to see Adrian Hauser, who is now fresh off throwing a complete game shutout. Uh, the first in seven years for the Brewers, which I thought was pretty crazy. That's like, it feels that, like a really long time. Isn't that also who we saw together when I came to Milwaukee? It. Did we see Hauser or Anderson? I think it was Hauser. I'm pretty sure. It was Hauser. You just love going to see Adrian yeah. Hauser pitch. Apparently, and I mean, he won Two both wins. of those games. Yeah, both of those games. I'm, I'm, I must be the secret. Mm. That's secret sauce. I have to be at the games that he's pitching at. He's another pitcher that gets to roll through the rest of this year with a relatively easy schedule. So the remaining games that he's lining up currently to start, the last one is not a good one. I will preface with that, but he's got Cleveland, Chicago, St. Louis twice, who he just pitched a complete game shutout against, and then the last game would probably be the Dodgers, which is unfortunate. Um. Now, the way it's lined up right now is probably going to shift a little bit with the eventual return of Brett Anderson from the IL and then some potential spot starts from my absolute favorite boy, Aaron Ashby. So it's worth monitoring the situation to see like how people are being given rest and stuff like that. But regardless of how things shake out, he should still only miss one start against St. Louis, and that would probably be flipped around and he would probably end up starting against the Mets. So worth noting there. Still not a great offense. Sorry, Shrepti. Uh, it's just, to me, it's really wild that he had the game that he did in just his third start since he came back from the COVID IL. But a lot of the success that he had was mostly due to the fact that 
the St. Louis hitters that he faced were just so incredibly passive. He did do a really, really good job avoiding the heart of the plate mostly. Uh, and he also busted a ton of hit, like especially the right-handed hitters high in with that sinker. Uh, and he threw a ton of first pitch strikes. So he was getting ahead early in counts, which is really good for him. But the St. Louis offense took 22 called strikes on the sinker alone, which inflated Hauser's CSW for the sinker on the day to almost 40%, which is like, that's, that's very rarely going to happen. Like called strikes are probably the most volatile part of the CSW formula, I would say between that and the whiffs. Yeah. I mean, so I, this is a, this is a rare time where I'll, where I'll give a, a little bit of pushback to uh, like, like kind of an overarching theme of uh, Nick Pollock's analysis who uh, Nick hates uh, called strikes on sinkers uh, specifically. Yeah. And on the one hand, like, yes, it's not a sustainable thing, but on the other hand, in an isolated start, like, it, I, I think that generally means that you you had your sinker going that day. Like I don't I don't know what it means for sustained success, but it was a heck of a start by him that day. Yeah, I mean, usually with like sinkers, like if you have if someone has like a very very good one, typically what you're thinking is that you're getting swings and you're getting really crappy weak contact. And they're driving it directly into the ground or like hitting it really softly. You know, you don't think that it's like a, it's not like a, a pitch that's gonna bump it's not gonna it's gonna be a pitch that's gonna have a csw of almost 40 percent. even though yeah most of it was called strikes mm-hmm. um but he really did do a good job like in certain situations like again elevating it in and on the hands of right-handed hitters and then getting like backdoor strikes with it he didn't leave a ton right over the middle of the plate um but again super passive st louis offense contributed to that so there's like a little bit of cold water to be thrown on this i don't think he was i don't think he's as good as this performance was not even close but it was encouraging still. Um, overall, I think, again, just like the biggest draw here is the schedule. I really, really love having pitchers who are just competent, not amazing, competent, but have really, really good schedules. It's a good way to at least like maybe steal a couple free wins here and there. And again, like I said previously, when I was talking and firing back about um, the Tarek Skubal argument between him and Bailey Ober, the Brewers lead the NL in runs per game since the trade deadline. So that hopefully will mean that if as long as Hauser can go five innings, which he has pretty consistently this year, he should be able to collect some wins down the stretch. I dig it. Heck yeah. Would you bet the Hauser on him? Oh my God. I want to hurt my soul. Oh, Schwebzy. I, I really like, I, I was, I was, I wasn't, I wasn't going to say anything, but I, we need we need to circle back all the way to like the Sensatella uh sense to tell him to get out of here pun. I was gonna let that slide. That was it I think that might have been an all timer for you on the podcast at least. Like in personal like conversations, there's been many, many more. But definitely like on the podcast, sense to tell him to get out of here is that's an all timer. I just I just want every pun to bring down the Hauser is all. <sighs> I'm so glad we only have three episodes left this season. <laughs> you need an off season to recover from this. Oh God, this assault on your on your this assault on my senses. senses. Just yeah. having to look at you and look at that smug look on your face when you tell a pun, and just like waiting for me to respond. Ugh, this man. All right, to close out the episode, I, what what I like is is to cause dread when uh, when I smile uh, for no reason, and you know something bad is coming. I'm just like, he thought of something that he thinks is hilarious. Great. Fantastic. Let's go get it's it over super, with. It's super obvious because uh, if you if you don't participate in the stream, that uh, when I smile, my eyes shut completely, like slits. So um, it's very, very obvious when I'm very pleased with myself at the thing I have thought of. So Jordan knows when it's coming and can all, all he can do is prepare. I'm pre- like, I just like pinch the bridge of my nose preemptively. Just a... You can feel the headache to, coming to, on ahead yeah, of time. To, yeah, to brace for the migraine you're about to give me. Thank you so much. Nothing makes me happier. Oh, God. All right. Well, to close out the episode, let's talk about some closers. How about that? Nice. All right. Hey, I got All one right. too, sort of. So uh, we we are going to do the, the semi-traditional rundown of the closers for bad teams that should probably still be rostered because they're closers 
uh, I'm going to go in order of least appealing to me to most appealing. Okay. All right. So we're, we're going to start with uh, Carlos Estevez of the Rockies. And I, I am so glad that the Rockies are finally giving someone besides Daniel Bard a shot at this closer role mm. because uh, Daniel Bard is kind of like a, a microcosm of what is wrong with the Rockies because like, why, like why, what we, the team is hopeless. Why do you have a 36 year old closer? Who's not even particularly good. Yeah. Like I, I don't understand it, but anyway, um, the Rockies, I mean, they, they have like what I would call maybe an intriguing reliever or two. No one particularly great, but uh, Estevez was kind of the obvious choice here, given his tenure with the team and general confidence this year. I don't really expect him to be the long-term solution, but he's fine. And I can see him accumulating a few saves before the end of the year without a major blowup. Yep. Uh, you talked about Bednar last week, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, well, in the same vein as Estevez uh, Givens. Uh, Michael mm. Givens of the Reds like there is uh, so uh, Estevez is rostered in uh, 6% of leagues uh, whereas Given is a little bit more widely rostered at 17% and there was a bit of a scare here for people who roster Givens as Michael Lorenzen scored a couple of saves in a row but the Cincinnati cluster heck continues as Givens had a bad outing but then so did Lorenzen and the most recent save opportunity went to Givens. Uh, I think this is similar to the Estevez situation in that he's not the best pitcher in the world, uh, speaking of Givens, but he's cromulent enough to hold down the closer role for a month. If I was a Reds fan with the playoffs still out there as a decent possibility, I would be terrified uh, every time Givens went out there, but he could be fine. Yeah. And then, uh, so these two pitchers that I'm about to talk about, I like both of them. Okay. I, I do think one of them is going to get more save opportunities. So uh, David Bednar, we talked about last week, and I believe since we talked about him, he has gotten zero save opportunities still, mm. which is a bummer because he's been really good. He continues to be really, really dope. His last appearance was a two inning 4k domination where the only base runner was the first walk that he's allowed in a month. Uh, and that was that, that, appearance a month ago where he walked someone was another two inning outing uh since the start of july it's a 0.7 era with a 1.57 fit and 31 strikeouts in 52 point sorry 25.2 innings this man <laughs> should be rostered everywhere he's going to get save opportunities at some point and he's valuable in you know even when he's not especially exactly. in save hold those ratios are great yeah yeah i would die for that yeah so good and then the final closer uh rowan wick uh wick earned his third save since coming off the injured list this one was of the two inning variety uh this wasn't the kind of domination that i want to see though uh he he held down this job for a bit last year and has a history of striking dudes out so i'm not going to hold an underwhelming two inning outing against him especially when it was his first multi-inning outing in a calendar year so I, I like the skills Wick strikes out. He's got that closer strikeout stuff. And I do think the Cubs are a more capable team than the Pirates somehow, in spite of them completely cleaning house. <laughs> it's they completely cleaned house and they're like their their backups are like better than 90% of the Pirates roster. Yeah. Schwindel and Wisdom are better than anybody except like Reynolds on the Pirates team. It's wild. Oof. It's true. But yeah, so I, I do think uh, Chicago will probably get more save opportunities than Pittsburgh. Not that that's saying a whole lot. Well, they've but... won. What is it now? I saw it today. It was either today or yesterday. I saw they had won five in a row and seven of their last 10. Yeah, there was there was well, one point here. where the, the two hottest teams in baseball were the Chicago Cubs and the New York Mets. Oof. Love it. Love I, it. I love, I love that my team is included in that, like, semi-ironically. Um. <laughs> But yeah, Wick is rostered in 3% of leagues. So if you need a closer and a, a closer that I believe can actually be like reliable and give you good peripherals also, I think you should pick Wick up. Plus, I like the fact that his name is Wick because it lends itself well to a lot of wordplay. Because if okay. he... It, no, if, you, don't, you don't need more ammo. No, if no. he pitches badly, you could be like Wick, more like Fuse. Am I right? This man... You're just smiling at me on camera right now. I'm just looking <laughs> at you. You're just staring, waiting for me to just do anything. Just 
Oh, God. Please, I, someone help me. Someone save me from this man. If they overwork him and he, and he does poorly on like back-to-back days, it's because they're like trying to burn the candle at both ends, right? All right, that's going to be it for this week's episode of In the Deep. <laughs> Thank you all for listening. Once again, we appreciate it. Uh, again, to kind of go over the, all the usual stuff, we got our socials that you should follow. Obviously, follow us at In the Deep PL on Twitter, and you can follow Schwebzy individually at SHW. EBSI or myself at Bunt Singles. Uh, also, be sure to mail in your mailbag questions to in the deep PL at gmail.com. And if you're listening on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or whatever platform you are on, be sure to like, subscribe, leave a review for the podcast. We would appreciate it. And with that, we will bid you adieu. Schwebzy, send them out. Bye, friends. Bye.